developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. We have an extraordinary show for you today. We have Jeff Clark and Megan Scrimmon. A little about these guests before we get started. Jeff has been a Special Olympics Colorado athlete for more than 30 years. When Jeff uh, went through a healthy athlete screening, and we'll talk more about what that is, he was able to get an updated glasses prescription. With improved vision, Jeff has been able to compete in two sports each season and serve on the Northeast Region Athlete Leadership Council. In 2019, Jeff was honored as he was recognized as the Special Olympic Colorado Hall of Fame Male Athlete of the Year. Congratulations, Jeff. Now, Megan, in her role as president and CEO of Special Olympics Colorado, Megan is responsible for leading an organization serving nearly 16,000 athletes, children and adults with intellectual disabilities, giving them year-round opportunities to train and compete in 21 sports. Megan's vision includes reaching more athletes, coaches, and families, growing the United States sports movement, improving health outcomes for people with uh, intellectual disabilities, and empowering athletes to create a more inclusive society for all people. Today, we're going to be discussing about building equity in healthcare for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome, Jeff and Megan, to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi, well, I'm glad to be here. Me too. Thanks for having us. Well, you know, it's a very funny story how I was able to uh, meet you guys online. Yeah. I um, I was on a walk with my daughter and uh, one of my other guests who I had just interviewed called me and she was happy with her podcast and she said, who else are you going to interview on this? And I said, you know, I have been noticing so many emails and great things through Special Olympics. I'd really like to connect to some people in Special Olympics. Do you have any names or connections? And she said, no, but I'll check around. And within five minutes, she called me back. She was on a walk somewhere else, and there you were. You guys were at, at an event in a park, and Megan, that's where we connected, and uh, here we are today. So so it's great to yes, have exactly. you guys. exactly. It was wonderful. Yeah, yeah she, I got to run in here and meet her at our young athletes camp, which was great. Yeah. So, you know, you throw things out in the universe, you never know what comes for you. So true. So, so let's start by, and I'll let whomever 
you know, Jeff or Megan wants to answer the question, or you both, uh, let's start with just telling our audience about Special Olympics Colorado and the kinds of programs that you offer. Um, I'll jump in, and then we'll let Jeff share a little bit more about how he's specifically involved in some of the programs I'm going to talk about. But, um, yeah, we are a sports organization. So most people know us as a sports organization, um, but we actually offer competition training opportunities in more than 21 different sports year-round. So in any given year, people have more than 400 opportunities to train, compete, participate, get involved in our Special Olympics program. So we use sports. Like I said, we've got 21 sports over four seasons. Our athletes can compete at the local level, the regional level, state level. We have national games every four years, and then world winter and world summer games every four years. So there's a lot of opportunities to participate in sports. But what I love about Special Olympics are are the things that most people don't know that we do. Um, So we really do use sports as a catalyst to impact the entire athlete, or again, our athletes are individuals with intellectual disabilities. So we have athlete leadership programming. Jeff is a great athlete leader, and he can share a little bit more about that. Um, where we give athletes the the tools, the platform, the confidence to lead in any way that they choose. We also have Unified Champion Schools programming, or what we call our Unified Champion Schools strategy. And that is a strategy that is within um, close to 600 schools just here in Colorado, impacting uh, half a million students. And, And that idea is all around creating inclusive and welcoming schools for all students. And so we do do that through unified sports, which is where people with and without intellectual disabilities compete together on the same team. We have inclusive youth leadership, which is where, again, students with and without disabilities work together. They become friends. They advocate um, together. And then we have whole school engagement, which is really where we get the entire student body involved um, in the strategies involved with unified champion schools. So, So we have that. And then we also have, of course, our health programming, which we're excited to chat a little bit more about today. Um, But really the root cause of that is we understand that our athletes or people with disabilities just don't receive the same health care services that that others do. And so Special Olympics has a unique opportunity to kind of close that gap and provide more health equity for people with disabilities. Jeff, do you want to share a little bit about how you're involved with some of those programs? Yeah, um, I'm involved in... Um, a lot of those programs, uh, leaderships, and um, I'm doing sports right now. Um, I'm actually going to compete at state in bowling this year, so um, that's going to be fun. And I'm also um, a fitness captain, and I do leadership, like I said. Um, I do all kinds of stuff, so... Mm -hmm. Well, that's, first of all, it's very impressive because I think most people just think about your athletic events and not realize how much more you do, especially in the leadership. And I know very few people know about um, the Healthy Athletes Program. Uh, I had the opportunity for years, I would volunteer and it was sometimes, I think, in Fort Collins and Greeley and a, a group of optometrists and our techs would come up and we'd actually do the best eye exam we could do out in the field. You know, we'd bring equipment mm-hmm. and lenses and then there'd be places um, right next to us that uh, would help grind glasses. So Jeff, I'd like to know from you, cause you know, in the 
uh, notes that you sent me, you were a recipient of some glasses. And tell us about, you know, getting new glasses and how that was helpful for you. Yeah, that was really good. Um, when I first got uh, my first pair of glasses from Healthy Athletes, I uh, couldn't see that all that good. I would um, take my phone and stuff, and uh, when I used to read something like menus at a restaurant or something, I used to have to take the camera and kind of zoom in on whatever I was reading so I could read it. And then uh, I found out about Healthy Athletes, the opening eyes and then I went to one of the screenings and then they actually gave me some glasses right there um and uh so I could pick out the uh, frames and they gave me the prescription and a few weeks later uh I had them like in my hand so and that's amazing and I know in my experience there were so many athletes, and and uh, Megan, maybe you can speak to it that that never even had eye and vision exams. And we know that um, the incidence of vision problems with patients with special needs. So it could be intellectual, physical, but the more the special needs, the higher the incidence that there's some type of vision problem. Sometimes it's just a glasses related, and a lot of times it could be eye health related, and. So Megan, you know, why why do you think so many of your athletes that you know attend Special Olympics, and that's just a little section of all those people who have special needs? What's happening that these these folks aren't receiving the type of what well, right now focus on vision care? But why yeah. do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, I think well, I'll talk about vision care, but it really does extend to all areas of health, and I, I think there's. A few things coming into play here. One is that healthcare providers, optometrists, just through no fault of their own, haven't received training in working with people with disabilities. And so that that's not part of schooling. Um, and then they may not get the hands-on experience that is needed in the real world. And so what happens is when you have untrained or undertrained healthcare providers, it creates an not optimal experience for an athlete, in our case, who goes to the doctor. Um, so they may not have a good experience. They may not have access to transportation or insurance. There are just many barriers to um, for people with disabilities to receiving adequate health care. Again, ranging from undertrained providers to lack of access to transportation, um, et cetera. And, and so for many of those reasons, athletes just aren't going to the doctor or to the optometrist. And when you pair that with a population that does have more extensive needs, particularly around vision, you know, we say about 17% have an eye disease, 48% need new prescription glasses. Um, and, and so it, it doesn't make for a great scenario, which is why we created these health screenings at competitions, um, because we know, first of all, it's a priority for athletes to get to Special Olympics competitions. So they're, they're conducted there. Um, they're being done in a welcoming, friendly, fun environment. They're being conducted by healthcare providers that through Special Olympics have had the opportunity to receive training in advance and then experience on site and working with people with disabilities. And so all of those things make for a really great experience. And then as you heard with regard to the vision screening, it's incredible that an athlete can come there 
and in some cases, depending on the prescription needed, walk away with free prescription glasses, sport goggles, and sunglasses. Depending on the, the needs of the prescription, if it's more expensive, it, you know, as Jeff mentioned, they'll be mailed within a couple weeks. But all of that takes place for free, which we hope, you know, is closing that, that gap um, and making it more accessible, uh, a more positive experience for athletes to get the, their healthcare needs met. You know, you said some really important things. First of all, I remember when I was going through optometry school and um, we really had minimal training on working with um, Mm -hmm. any kind of even kids, little kids, all you know, special needs. And I remember the first patient that we had in a wheelchair, all the students thought it was important to speak really loudly, you know, like they're deaf. Yeah. And so people totally misunderstand. Um who and how to communicate with folks that have special needs. And, and later I'd, I'd love for you to uh, give us some tips on that. Uh, The other Mm -hmm. thing you had mentioned, not only do does uh, this program provide glasses, the athlete often gets more than one pair because if they're in a sport that there's a a ball or something that could be dangerous for their vision, safety glasses are also provided. And that's something that we are always talking to our patients, all patients about when they're in sports is to protect their eyes. And it's not just a nice pair of glasses. It's polycarbonate. I I would happen to agree. Um, I got some uh, um, glasses to play sports in. Um, So those were great too. Right. And it's, it serves to protect because many of the patients I remember seeing um, had problems, especially like lazy eye, amblyopia, or, or had, you know, some type of problem with one eye. So some of the athletes were basically one eyed and boy, you don't want them out there playing in the world without protection. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's a very important piece of not only getting glasses to see, uh, getting safety glasses and then eye health. And, you know, we've had people on the podcast that talk about there are hundreds of diseases that we can pick up by just looking in the eye Mm -hmm. from hypertension, diabetes. Now they're even looking at with thorough eye movements and some of our technology, early Alzheimer's and, you know, possible autism. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's a really important evaluation beyond just glasses. Yep, that's a really good point. And absolutely, the nice part of the screening, I mean, they're providing many goals and many reasons why these are helpful. Um, One, as you mentioned, yes, of course, is getting the the appropriate eyewear. Um, But education on what is happening within their own vision or their eyes. And then we're able to provide a list of places to go for follow-up care if that's needed. So at the end of our screening, and this is the case, so we, we offer screenings in eight different what we call disciplines. So vision is one of them. Other examples would be dentistry, podiatry. Um, we even have screenings in what we call strong mind, which focuses on emotional uh, health and stress coping. And so we make sure that athletes, after they're done, they receive education on what just took place, education on, on how to have proper eye care, and um, where to go if something was detected, which is clearly just as important. The glasses themselves. Sure. And when you said eight different areas, is that all done on that one event? You know, when there's a screening, or or athletes go yeah. through all eight. Wow. Yeah. 
Yep, great, great question. So we have uh, summer games would be an example of the place where we have the largest number of screenings. Maybe Jeff in a second, if you want to talk about um, your experience going through the screenings. Um, okay. But we offer them on site. And some competitions will have one or two screenings. In some, like our state summer games, we have seven of them taking place. Jeff, did you go through the summer game screenings? Uh, I or was, in the past, what is that? What's your? I was actually at a wedding this year, but in the past I've been through uh, all those screens at one time or another, and it's been great. Um, the first screening I went through years ago was my opening eyes, but I've been through uh, the um, podiatry, and I just just recently went to the. They had some physical therapists at the uh, flag football that I was just at. So yep. that's been great. Yeah. And I had a, um, the, my hearing check, too. Mm-hmm. So that was real good. Um, and I was normal on that this year. That's good. That is good. I mean, that's great. In that, if you think about going through one space, so we'll use our summer games as an example. And Jeff, as an example, he can walk in and get a dental screening. Uh, a hearing screening, uh, a vision screening, physical therapy screening. We have um, a whole section we call health promotion, which is a lot of education-based, so information on nutrition, uh, hydration, diet, exercise, bone density. You know, we'll have a bone density machine on site. And so athletes can go through each of these screenings literally in one building and then walk away in addition to having been, been treated by someone or working with someone who's been trained to work with people with disabilities. We also have prizes and incentives and placemats and giveaways and things that make it a fun experience as well. You know, we want to draw people into these health screenings to make sure that it's a, it's a great experience from start to finish. Isn't that great? Now, you know, with the vision, you can get glasses sometimes immediately or sent out. What about the dentistry or you need orthoptics or follow-up? Um, do you get referrals for that? And how does that work? Yeah, we give referrals at all areas. Um, so when somebody walks out, they will get a referral if follow-up care is needed. Um, we've actually detected some kind of pretty severe heart conditions um, as well. And so we're able to, to make sure that that person gets follow-up care right away. Um, hearing would be another example where we will give out um, hearing aids if needed, or there will be a hearing, you know, ear cleaning that takes place. And I think that cures a lot or helps a lot of the problems that we see. Um, the podiatry, Jeff, did you go through the um, fit feet last year and get shoes? Uh, yes, I went through last year, and they actually gave me a free, free pair of shoes. Actually, I got two pair because uh, my left foot's bigger than my right foot, so. Wow. So so that's another example of the podiatry screening. Um, it's something to the effect of like almost 50% of athletes are wearing the wrong shoe size, um, which is staggering. And so the simple act of coming to one of our fit feet, fit feet screenings, and you can walk away with, in just case, not one, but two pairs of shoes. I have one foot that's larger than the other two. Um, you know, th- those are very tangible outcomes from these screenings. That's really great. Let, let's talk a little bit about the funding. I mean, all of this is supplied at no charge to the athletes. So how is mm-hmm. it funded? 
Yeah. So we partner with the CDC um, and Special Olympics International, speaking of, of health programming specifically. Um, let me make note, we raise all of our money. We have a budget between five and $6 million um, each year um, and growing. And so it is supported through generous car companies, individuals, foundations. Um, so we raise every, every single dollar every year. Uh, that said, we do also partner with CDC and Special Olympics International. And so we get grant funding from the CDC, um, which helps support the cost of these screenings. We also do a lot of work um, on partnerships. So partnerships with organizations like the Finish Line, which is how we got the shoes um, needed. The Lions Club, which helped provide the screenings and the glasses for vision. Um, and the cool thing about well, yes, we do receive funding from the CDC. Um, we are actually, Special Olympics collectively, is the largest provider of, first of all, healthcare screenings for people with disabilities in the world, and thus data that goes back to the CDC. So Special Olympics collectively is really the, the research arm of the CDC when it comes to the healthcare needs of people with disabilities, which is phenomenal um, that we are collectively able to not only provide the, these screenings, educate athletes, provide the follow-up care if needed, but we're collecting and analyzing data in order to raise awareness and, and advocate for, um, in this case, improved eye care for people with disabilities, but really better health outcomes across the board. That's a really important piece um, because, you know, you always wonder where those stats come from, and um, mm -hmm. especially when... Um, so many people with special needs have problems with access to medical care, so they don't get counted where this is a, a place that you might get a lot of athletes that aren't utilizing the healthcare system consistently and to uh, build up the stats and the need. Just amazing program. Um, we only have a, a minute or so before we take a break, but can you just talk briefly about who started Special Olympics and how long ago that was? Yeah, um, yeah, Eunice Shriver started it, and right. that was, I think, back in 1969, yeah. and she actually started it, I think, out of her backyard, at her house, and she just had a few athletes, and then it, it kind of went there, it kind of expanded right from there, so it's been great. Yeah, she was... Yeah, and she was a part of the Kennedy family. I remember that because of her own, I believe, daughter. Is is that correct? Her, yeah, her sister. Yeah, her, her sister. sister. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And, and it's just a great example of what one person can do when they have, you know, somebody in their life that's important to them. Uh, what they can do not only for their important person, but for the whole community and look what it's grown to. So uh, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, um, Jeff, I'm going to really want to know more about your sports and, and uh, how, how much fun you have in those. So we'll take a quick break. Okay. Dr. Lynn will be right back after this.
Can your child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school, have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity. Enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. Get 50 tips to improve your sports performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Hi, friends. We're talking with Jeff Clark and Megan Scrimmon about the Special Olympics Colorado. And in the first half, we uh, spoke extensively about the Healthy Athletes Program that's provided to athletes, both kids and adults of all ages, and how important it is, um, not just for the screenings, but the follow-up care they get. Uh, but what I'm really interested in, Jeff, uh, you, you've been um, the male athlete of the year for the Hall of Fame of Special Olympics Colorado, which congratulations, great. So I want to know more about the kinds of sports that you've participated in and, and maybe a couple of your favorites. Okay. I pretty much do all of them. Almost. I can't ice skate, of course, and do gymnastics, but... Um, all the other things I've tried at least one. Um, my favorites are tennis and basketball, and also bocce ball is real fun too for me. Um, but I've done pretty much all of them, pretty much at one time or another. Great. Were there any sports that uh, weren't your favorites? Uh, no, I think I've liked. <laughs> pretty much all of them at one point. 
You know, that's really great. How many of us really get the opportunity to try sports sometimes we've never heard of, much less participated in? So that that's pretty cool. Um, Can you recall one or two experiences, you know, in your competition that were just very meaningful or special for you? Oh, when I was younger, I used to do uh, track and field. And that was Mm -hmm. really great because uh, I would do the pentathlon back then. And it was uh, real fun because usually you get to do two to three events. And then that's it. But when you do the pentathlon, you do five events. And the one medal cord, you only get one medal, but it's for five events. And so that was really special for me because, you know, I would get first or second or something and out of the whole thing in the pentathlon. So it really made me feel good. Well, that's very cool. Do you have any idea how many medals you have collecting in your room? Oh, tons uh well you know i do two sports every at least two sports every season and then we got regional competitions state competitions and um you get sometimes you get awards for other things too besides just the sports so i think i have too many to count i mean i've lost count over the years i've been doing it for 30 years so I was going to ask you. Times two sports. Yes. My math isn't good enough to count that. (laughs) (laughs) That's really great. How how young were you when you started? I was 22 when I first started. Um, I I didn't even know about Special Olympics before then. uh, Honestly, is uh, when I was in high school and stuff, they didn't have any. unified schools or anything like that when I was going through school. So I did, I was trying to wrestle um, just then like a, um, with the people without um, intellectual disabilities. And um, it was kind of hard for me because I wasn't, I have CP on my right side, so I couldn't do as much. And then, um, I wasn't as strong as the other guys and stuff, and um, it was really hard for me. I would lose a lot more than I'd win in those in my matches, and it, it, I mean it was fun, but it just wasn't there. And then uh, um, after school, uh, after I graduated, I was trying to look for something um, to. I still wanted to compete, but I didn't know how. And then my best friend and I uh, were driving around, and we saw somebody uh, training at uh, Skyline High School and track and field. And we went up, we drove up to him and said, what's going on here? And they said, we're doing uh, track and field for Special Olympics. And it, um, ever since then, I mean, we got the coach's name and all that, and we've been competing pretty much ever since. Yep. And you and Tim? Yeah. Yeah, so talking about Tim, who's another athlete. Yeah, it was friends and athletes since then. My best friend and I have been friends since the fourth grade. Isn't that um, great? We've been kind of like doing everything since then. So we started competing um, at 22 years old. So... 30 years later. And it's interesting, wow. you know, Jeff, bring, Jeff brings up the fact that 
um, when he was in school, he didn't have unified champion schools, which is a big difference for what students today are experiencing. I mean, school was just a very different place for people with intellectual disabilities. And even our, our program's been in existence for 15 years, but 15, 20, 30 years ago. And, you know, it speaks to the importance of the work that we're doing in creating more unified and welcoming and inclusive school environments. Yeah, that's huge. And how sad it is, you know, you didn't find out till 22, you know, that it just, you didn't have the exposure. There wasn't the, uh, yeah. you know, media um, available, but 30 years, are you in, is Tim, is that your friend? Yes. You and Tim still competing together? Yes. Oh, yeah. Isn't that great? In fact, he, he's doing uh, volleyball at the um, state events for volleyball, and then that I'm doing bowling, so. So you can cheer each other on. Yes. Great. And sometimes we even ride down with each other and all that, so, I mean, it's been pretty fun. That is super. You know, how much time do you spend either daily or week weekly practicing your, your sports? Oh, it varies. Um, it depends what season we're in. Sometimes we can do two or three times a week and maybe an hour or so um, a week. But, you know, like in basketball, uh, we, we do it like for uh, three or four hours because uh, – um, they have, uh, we start the games, and then sometimes they need uh, people on other teams to fill in and stuff, so I can play on their teams besides my teams and, and all that, so. Well, it's a great way to stay in shape, huh? Yes. Actually, I've lost 30 pounds last year doing uh, all the sports and all that, so. Good for you. That's great. Uh, yeah, tell us about... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, we do, we've done a lot of work focusing not just on the health screenings themselves, but preventative work. Um, mm -hmm. So talking about fitness, exercise, nutrition, um, all of that wellness challenges, really encouraging everyone to get healthy. So, yeah. Does yeah, that extend to your family as well? You know, what was that? Does this nutritional and health information extend to your family as well? Are they uh, yes, eating healthier they and working out? Too. We learn about it. And um, some of us, they uh, um, learn what, what I'm learning and then they apply it to them. Good for you. Isn't that great? Have you had the yeah. experience of uh, competing either nationally or at the world competitions? Not yet. I haven't been that lucky. I'd like to. <laughs> yeah. What does it take um, to do that? Do you have to score at a certain level or be yeah, experienced? It's, it's actually based on the competitions that we have taking place. So I'll, I'll use um, World Games coming up as an example. Special Olympics as a program submits, we, you know, We'd be interested in taking a female power lifter and a skier. Uh, and so then Special Olympics International comes back and says, okay, you can have one power lifter and two skiers, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and we try to mix up the sports that we bring to USA Games and World Games. So we're not only bringing power lifters all the time or tennis players. 
From there, based on the slots that we get from Special Olympics International for either U.S. or World Games, we then um, let every athlete know who competes in that sport in that particular division that it's a, um, a qualifying year, and they have to compete at a regional level, earn a gold medal at a state game in that particular sport, and then submit an application to that they're interested in being considered for USA Games or World Games. From there, we literally draw names out of a hat or a bowl. Uh, so we try to keep it fair. We try to um, extend the opportunity to as many people as possible. But with 16,000 athletes and, you know, we have World Winter Games coming up, we're sending three athletes. You know, wow. it, it is a, a coveted opportunity. That's for sure. Yeah, it sounds like a great opportunity and quite a involved process. Well, I do wish you the best on that, Jeff, and and hope yeah. that you qualify yeah. sometime. Great. Uh, talk to us a little bit about being a fitness captain. What is that? Okay, it's a fitness captain is kind of like somebody that leads like uh, um, all the stretches and warm ups and uh, does all the um, exercises like that and then um we can we like practice and then after practice we can we can also like do the cool downs with that too so um and then uh it's been really fun to do some of that we've learned about um how to eat healthy um we've learned about the fit five program um where it's like you have like hydration and what uh, foods and stuff you should eat, like um, all the vegetables, the proteins, all that stuff, you know. And then uh, we go around and just uh, talk about it with other athletes around there. So you're like the coach. Almost like the coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, great? So it's a cool program because we found um, for a long time athletes weren't necessarily getting healthier through participating. And so the fitness captain program is a leadership opportunity and it allows coaches to coach the sport, but athletes to be leaders on their team in fitness, warm up, you know, getting healthier. And so it's a really great opportunity, but awesome to see the athletes taking charge there and really leading that whole portion of their Special Olympics practice. Yeah, that is super. Uh, that leads me right into the Athlete Leadership University. What is that, and how are you involved in that? Yeah, the, uh, LCU has been great. Um, I've learned about so many things. When I first started, these, of course, you take the one-on-one class um, and just get started, but then you have to pick like a track that you're on. So I went through the governance track a lot so um i'm actually um in the capstone right now so i'm working on a project and i'm hoping to get um an e-sport with uh special olympics Colorado, where it's uh pickleball so i'd like to oh. try and get pickleball started and i've been talking to shaka and a lot of people about how to get that going and all that so that's going to be my capstone project isn't that great? Well, that's certainly the sports of the decade right now, pickleball. Oh, yeah. So yes. Yeah. That'll it's be fun. Very cool to see athletes, you know, and so Jessica 
taking governance, which has helped him um, and led him to being on the Northeast Athlete Leadership Council, um, which is a, a group, I'll let Jeff share about that. Um, but all athletes, as they complete their studies, as Jeff mentioned, have a capstone. And so I love Jeff's capstone and bringing new sport. We have another athlete, Vince, whose capstone was developing um, athletes as a coach track for Alps University. So last year he finished his capstone and actually this semester at Athlete Leadership University led a course in coaching for athletes. So it's very cool to see. Isn't that great? Um, what great opportunities and, and leadership skills you've learned beyond the sports. Um, have you been able to take some of these you know, skills you've learned into other places of your life beyond Special Olympics, whether it be in your family situation or any type of work situation? Yes. Um, I've actually uh, done a lot um, from that. Uh, like I said earlier, I've uh, taught some of my other family members how to eat great and stuff with all that. But then, uh, like, and also the fitness with, you know, how to exercise, you know, even if it's a walk a day or something, you know, something, get something moving and stuff. And then uh, um, there's other stuff that I've learned uh, through leadership and fitness captains and a whole area of stuff. Um, nothing's coming right out to mind right now, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great? Um, let me ask you, you know, some ideas for some of our listeners, especially um, for parents to help kids, how to communicate, how to approach somebody with special needs. What would make you guys feel happy? And, and what's the easiest way for, you know, people who don't understand any kind of, you know, physical mental emotional disability they often just shy away or or yeah you know, try to avoid this si situation i used to be really shy i mean i used to like because when i was going through school no one would come up and introduce me, uh, themselves to me or whatever and when i got in special olympics it all changed i mean i am not shy at all about going up to somebody and introducing myself and all that and trying to make friends i've made so many friends. I consider Special Olympics like my second home, actually, you know, my second family and all that, because I've just made so many friends, not only uh, athletes, but coaches and volunteers and everything. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a family. And, and through that, you know, we've listened and learned from our athletes. And, and so, you know, when we talk about communicating and, and how we can better work with people with disabilities. First, we would say treat people with disabilities just like you would treat everyone else. Um, ultimately, in life, we all want the same respect, courtesy, kindness as, as everyone else. You know, students shouldn't have to go through school feeling isolated or like so nobody is going to talk to them. Um, but from an actionable standpoint, we also have created and deliver what we call an inclusive health training and, and a unified leadership training. And these are more conversations that we facilitate with um, really anyone in the community, businesses, um, and healthcare providers. And one of the areas we focus on is how to best work with and communicate with people with disabilities. And, and so first and foremost, again, 
communicate the same way you would with, with anyone else. But things such as um, always talk to the, to the person, not a caregiver yes. or a provider that's with you. That's one. Um, never pretend that you understand what someone's saying. It, it, you, I think people's natural tendency is to want to be polite, and so you might feel bad saying, what? What? Can you explain it to me again? But really, use all the tools that are available to us. Ask them to describe it in a different way. Ask a yes or no question. Make sure that you have clarification. Um, ask them to write it down or type something on their phone if you're, you're not having um, the easiest time understanding that person. So, so those are some techniques. And then the other thing is we always encourage using the, the strength-based approach, which, which is where you're coming from a place of assuming competence in that person. Assume that they understand. So when you earlier you talked about speaking louder to someone, I think that's something that our athletes have described receiving a lot. Somebody talks louder to them or uses words and, you know, say, I understand what you're saying. You don't need to, you don't need to yell. And, and so always going in with an assumption of um, strength, um, competence, uh, intelligence, and then using tools and techniques to, to make sure that you're appropriately understanding one another. Yeah, the, certainly the power of loving kindness and just seeing them as a soul, just like you're a soul. And um, that is the key. You, you two have totally touched my life, and I'm sure you've touched many other lives as well. How can um, volunteers and supporters get involved? Uh, just go, probably the easiest way is to go to the website, and then they have all the information there. Um, our website is uh, specialympics.org. Specialympics.org. Yep, specialympicsco.org. Yep, that's exactly right. Our website has a lot of information. And again, with between three and 450 events a year, we are always looking for volunteers. We are always looking for coaches. And we're always looking for athletes and unified partners. So really, Special Olympics is for anyone. I think a lot of times people think, oh, that's, that's not for me. Um, but anyone is welcome to join us as an athlete or a unified partner and pick up any, any one of our, our 21 sports. Or many, like Jeff Yes. And, uh, of course, there's a button to raise funds, which is really important to help support Absolutely. all the expenses uh, for these screenings um, so that yep. the athletes get yeah. really premier care, which is really, really Absolutely. great. Absolutely. And, all, again, all of our programming is offered at free of charge uh, to our athletes, which is That's really great. important. So we rely 100% on supporters and donors to make that happen and possible every year. Well, you two are a dynamo, and I've just so inspired, enjoyed our conversation. We're just about out of time. I want to make sure our uh, listeners check out uh, your website. All this information is on the show notes of your podcast. Um, I encourage others to take some time, uh, bring their friends and kids to help and support, and um, you change lives. And as I always say, um, your vision doesn't create you. You create your vision. And you two have created a vision that we shall learn and aspire and, um, and, and be the best we can. So I thank you, too. And it's just been a delight to have you. Okay. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And one last note, if there are any optometrists or anyone in the, um, the vision field, we would love more volunteers coming out. We, we can only run screenings through volunteer support. I will pass that on. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.